So glad you came this evening. We're looking forward to celebrating our Lord's sufficient atonement for our sin. This is the week, I guess, traditionally where we celebrate his, his agony, his suffering on the cross, which was certainly enough for the covering of our, our sin. And boy, it's just a lot of sin, isn't it? <laughs> the more I have to live with myself and know me, the more I appreciate the cross, what was done on the cross. That's just a lot of sin. <laughs> so praise God for the opportunities to, to worship the Lord in this, in this way this evening. So glad you're here. It's good to be gathered together on a Sunday evening to do this. Uh, we had uh, another soul um, decide to trust the Lord and obey him in baptism. So next Sunday, I believe that'll give us three folks. And so we praise the Lord for that. Looking forward to seeing these folks that have been born again just before COVID or during COVID obey the Lord in, in baptism. If you've not had that opportunity, we'll be celebrating that ordinance next Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. You can write your testimony and uh, give that to us tonight. This is not in the order of service. And I'm going to ask for someone who's bold enough to just stand after I pray and give us a brief <laughs> salvation testimony. Is that okay? I want to know when you trusted the reality that Christ's death on the cross was sufficient for you. And we'll have a microphone ready to go. We'll travel that microphone to you. It doesn't have to be long. It's intended to be brief. But I think it's wonderful to hear salvation testimonies on the evenings we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Okay? So let's pray together as we continue on. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this grand opportunity to remember and to reflect. You asked us to do just that. Your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, obeyed and set the standard for this being done in remembrance of him. We are thankful that there was a joy that was set before our Savior, that as we're asked to consider it all joy when we fall into various trials and temptations, he lived that out perfectly. As the joy was set before him, he obeyed and he endured the cross for us, doing something for us that no man, no institution, no nation could do for us. Let's grant us spiritual freedom and forgiveness of sin for all of eternity. We thank you, Lord, that that's only found in Jesus Christ and his death. I'm so thankful, Lord, that my good home that I was raised in, the home that I enjoy now, and even this church, nor any human government, no, none of the three institutions that you've established can grant us forgiveness and cleansing of our souls. We thank you for your son and what he's done for us. And thank you for the opportunity we have to, to celebrate him 
and his obedience tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Anyone excited to share a brief salvation testimony? Tell us when you came to know Jesus. Anyone at all? If no one responds quickly, then we'll move on. Back there. All right. Pastor Steve can go first. Oh, no, Pastor Tim, that's fine. I, I certainly. Pastor, Pastor Steve has the microphone. We'll go with him first right. and then Pastor Obi second. Is this on, though? Can you hear me? Yeah, that's on. Okay. All right. Uh, so, my parents uh, were on and off getting separated and divorced, and that caused family crisis in my life. And so, through those things, my mom started to ask questions. And from the church that we were going to, uh, they weren't very helpful, frankly. And so she had some friends who invited her to Grace here. And she started coming, and she got saved. And, you know, if you know my mom, she's a bulldog in a good way. When it's good, when it counts, she would be dragging me and my brother here to church and there's this weird youth pastor. <laughs> and uh, I say that because he invested so much into me. He'd come over to my house, and I would just wasn't really interested. And he would just spend the time anyway. And Anyway, and that was really the heart of this whole church. And for about six months, I heard the gospel. Pastor Potter Sr. was the senior pastor at the time. I was, oh, probably like right about here. And at that point in time, the, uh, there were offices on either side of those four pillars, those four poles. And a uh, pastor preached a three-hour message, probably. <laughs> Not Pastor Senior. And, uh, and then we had about an hour invitation after that. Not really. It was only about 20 minutes. It was what I needed. Because after six months of hearing the gospel, it was as if no one else was in the room, I don't ever get emotional. I got emotional. Uh, uh, it was like just the truth had hit me square between the eyes. I was a sinner. I, dem I, dem I deserved and demanded to go to hell. But Jesus Christ saved me. And uh, so that was right there. Uh, immediately after the service, I went around to Pastor Tim's office, which was right there, probably where Mrs. Sanchez is sitting. Pastor Tim was where Mr. Knudsen is sitting. And, um, and he just shared with me the gospel again just to reaffirm what I had chatted about or what I had decided we had chatted about for about 20 minutes or so. And so that began a, a long process of a lot of needed progressive sanctification in my life. But that was the day. That was about, oh, I don't know, what, 13? Whatever you are when you're in eighth grade. What is that, 13 so, ish? So, yeah. I just wanted to say uh, what a delight it is to work in the children's ministry. I was saved when I was nine years old. I gave my life to Christ. And uh, I think, is it your birthday this week, Ben? You're going to be how old? And that's when I came to know Christ as my Savior. So it's a joy to hear these kids turning nine. It always kind of brings me back to that moment. And, uh, when we had a special speaker come to our church and challenge us about our eternal destiny. And like many of your children, I had made several professions of faith, you know, my affection, I wanted to please parents, but 
I remember at nine years old then, particularly, the Lord really convicted me about my will, that I hadn't really given that over to the Lord, and still a very self-centered young man, and loved myself and my interests, and in that moment, the, you know, the Spirit of God just dominated me, and, um, and called me unto Christ, and I repented of my sin, that willfulness, and gave my life to Christ, and I was saved. At football and recess, though. That's right, right. We went to elementary school together. We enjoyed recess most of all. <laughs> Pastor Kent was always a particularly good tackler at football. So, praise God. Anyone else, real briefly, would like to share your salvation testimony as we begin? Tyler? Oh, you're going to move the mic. Okay. It, you can share your testimony anyway. <laughs> yes. Has your fiance heard your testimony, Tyler? Uh, I'm sure she has. You don't have to, brother. It's up to you. We're putting you on the spot. I don't know. Is, is this like peer pressure for my bosses or something like that? <laughs> Well, everyone's looking at me now, so I don't know. It was, uh, let's see, actually, it, it was 20, 20 years ago now. Uh, Dad was tucking me in for bed. He typically either read a story, told us a story, made up a story, who knows. Um, but this one, he, he definitely made more about salvation, heaven and hell, um, and at the end of the story, he asked me um, if I understood what he was saying. Uh, I said yes, obviously, and he asked me if I wanted to accept Christ as my Savior, and I did that night. I think that was, I don't know, it was Grandpa Ed's and Grandma Joy's anniversary, so I think it's like March 13th or something. Uh, so... hearts and song as Ben comes to lead us. A few opportunities this evening to celebrate in song the love of our Lord demonstrated to us as he died in our place. Let's stand and sing O Love Divine.
scripture readings this evening. We'll ask one of our elders, Ron Hart, if he'll come at this time and read from the book of Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, if you'd like to turn there at this time. Following after the scripture reading, we'll sing together again. Thank you. Um, Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13, down through 53, verse 12. Behold, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form was more than the sons of man. Thus he will sp sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths on, on account of him. For what had not been told them, they will see. What they had not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he bore, he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastising for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with the wicked, yet he was with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, and there was no nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many. He will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. As Ron just read, Jesus bore the sins of many of, of our, our sins. He took our sins on himself, and in exchange, we get his righteousness. That's what we will sing about next. Stand and let's sing His Robes for Mine. Yeah. 
We have six men in our church who you've sought it, sought to be elders. You've nominated them, and we've enjoyed their ministry to us. I've asked these six men. I thought it would be uh, an appropriate time to hear from these men as to their um, favored atonement texts and, and why those texts mean so much to them. And so we're going to have three come and share those texts and a few devotional thoughts before we partake of the symbol of our Lord's broken body. And then we'll do just that. And then we'll have some uh, worship music played while the elements are distributed and then we'll partake together. And then following that, we'll have three more of those men come and do the same before we partake of the symbol of our Lord's violent death, the cup. So at this time, if we could have uh, Mr. Gray, Mr. Master Petro, and Ron, who just read from Isaiah, um, in that order, come and share your thoughts, and then we'll partake um, of the bread together. Good evening. It's good to see a full house tonight. It's been a long time. Uh, the text I have uh, of the Lord's table that's, that's meaningful to me is Matthew 26, 26 to 30. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. As we, um, we absorb the Lord's table as a congregation, but we also absorb it personally. And the personal part is the most important to me, as, as that is my time with God. That's where I need to be intimate with God. And that's where I really need to reflect on the Lord's table as to what it means to me as Bob Gray. Um, Jesus transformed the last Passover to the observance of the Lord's Supper. He is a central figure in both. He took the unleavened bread and cup elements from Passover feast and used them to picture his own sacrificial death. The broken bread pictured his broken body given for the sins of the world. And we just read, Iran just read about his appearance was so marred he wasn't even recognizable. The fruit of the vine he used to picture his own blood shed for the remission of sins. Not as in the past the covering of sins, but for the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. Only he could do that. The Passover pointed ahead to the lamb who would take away the sins of the world. The Lord's table announced that that had happened. Verse 29 talks about the future, the future kingdom. A look ahead to celebrate the Lord's Supper in the future kingdom. We all have, a, have that opportunity to look forward not only to celebrating it today, but we will celebrate this with Jesus in the kingdom. And last but not least, verse 30. After singing a hymn, they all went out to the Mount of Olives. So they celebrated, and they sang a hymn, and they all left together. 
And again, as I personally focus this on myself, the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me. On that table in front of us, it says, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we forget. God knows we forget. We needed this reminder. We need to personalize this, that yes, God <clears throat> had Jesus Christ die for the sins of the world, a universal past, present, and future, but he also died for Bob Gray's sins. And that's really important. And we need to remember that not only as we take this table tonight, but in our everyday walk, we need to remember that he died for you personally. Wonderful sight. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 27 is uh, verses 50 and 51 is one gospel account of the moment of Christ's death. And I'd like to read that for you. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. This was an event like, unlike any other in recorded history, unto now. Now that verse, like I said, is one that we at times point to when we are presented with an opportunity to, uh, to worship God in this way. <clears throat> However, it also directs me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. And I'd like to read that also. <clears throat> Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, this refers back to the moment that that veil was rent. by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh he gave his flesh for us and since we have a great priest over the house of God let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith this is a blessed truth with the, with the full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled clean from an, evil, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Steadfast, without wavering. We need to be able to do that, each and every one of us. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're to do that with each other. We're to help each other attain the outwork of good deeds. not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some 
but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So for me, that passage brings into focus how important it is to me personally as well as to you and to every other believer who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ what the operation of his death on the cross means to us without it we're hopeless this verse says we have hope without what Christ did on that cross we are all hopeless and I'm grateful for that and that's what I think about when I sit down and prepare my heart to partake of these elements. Well, it was very convenient that Mike Hickson asked me to read Isaiah uh, 53, and then later Pastor asked me to preach on my, or give a devotion on my favorite um, atonement passage because they were one and the same and uh, the reason why Isaiah 53 was so um, precious to me was that it's the first passage that I memorized um, as a new believer um, I was saved as a graduate student at Case Western and the friend who discipled me well he's been discipling me for 40 years now Kevin said um, Christians should memorize scripture but we shouldn't just memorize isolated past verses. We should, we should memorize whole chapters. And so Isaiah 53 was the first one. And I was new to this whole idea of memorizing. I got my name memorized, and that was doing pretty well. <laughs> I have most of my kids memorized. Um, so it took a long time to get through Isaiah 53. So week after week, we'd get together and rehearse the passage. And so we had a lot of time to memorize or to meditate on it. And the, the thing that really struck me in this passage, um, well, most of it, but down in chapter 5, or verse 5, it says, He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The cha chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And I got this picture in my mind of realizing that when Christ died on the cross, that was my sins that he was paying for and that every sin I committed past, present, future added more to his pain and I got this um, picture in my mind of I was standing before the cross with a whip in one hand and a list in the other hand and this was more like a scroll like a really long list that contained every one of my sins and that I had to stand there and inflict pain for every one of those sins that was on that list and then I looked behind me, and there was this long line of all the believers that I knew, um, all the way down the mountain, of people standing there waiting their turn with their list in their hand. And so when we think about the atonement, that the atonement is not free. It costs. It costs Christ. The, uh, the, the iniquity of us all, the pain for every sin that we've ever committed, was on his shoulders. First Corinthians chapter 11, as we prepare to partake of symbol of our Lord's broken body. There's uh, tremendous de devotional thoughts for all of us. Amen. Thank you, uh, men, for sharing those. 
We'll take a moment here, we'll allow the pianist to play through a stanza of a hymn and prepare our hearts, and then, um, and then we'll pray, and then we'll have our elders uh, come forward and we'll distribute uh, the elements as the music plays during the distribution. All right, let's take a moment to uh, prepare our hearts together. thank you for the scripture that's been read for us, preserved for us, for our meditation this evening. Very particular texts that remind us of your heart, of love extended towards us and the gift of your son. And our hearts are full of gratitude this evening once again as we remember back to the sufficiency of that agony for the whole of our sin. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Elders, you feel come forward at this time. Thank you. 
scripture reads, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let me partake. This time we'll have uh, Mr. Dodd, uh, Mr. Hickson, and then Mr. Richard come and share their passages and thoughts with us. Good evening. When Pastor Tim asked me to uh, share uh, some of the reasons and things about communion, I was reminded of Mark 135. And in the, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went away to a secluded place and prayed there for a time. You know, for me, communion with the Lord once a month is not enough. And uh, since the God-man... Jesus Christ got up early in the morning to commune with his father. That's a good thing to do. And uh, Daniel was a man, says what he prayed three times a day because that was his habit. And one of the habits that I have is before I get out of bed in the morning, I pray. Because if I don't, my feet are probably going to be pointed in the wrong direction. And so that's what I do as a habit. Now, I'm trying to develop a habit more like Daniel as well. Now, during the day, when challenging situations come up, I pray first. And then at the end of the day, I go back and reflect on what the Lord's done that day. And I take some notes of that so that I don't forget those things. Now, if the Lord Jesus Christ needed to commune with his father every morning, and Daniel needed to commune with the Lord every day, I sure do. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, the song that comes to my mind is, I need thee every hour, O blessed Lord. I don't sing it out loud because it would probably disturb Lynn. But that's, that's what's rolling through my head often in the morning. James 4.8 says, Come close to God and he will come close to you. So we, need to do, we do need to walk with the Lord every hour of every day. 
Maxwell House has a has a little saying that said the best part of waking up I don't know, maybe that's Folgers. <laughs> but anyway, I don't drink coffee. So but the best part of waking up is communing with the Lord first thing in the morning. attention. <laughs> as, as we consider the Lord's table, we're looking at Christ and his broken body, shed blood, and that always brings to mind the picture of the cross. And uh, when you look at that, all we have is, we have the written word, which gives us some description, but then artist renditions of the cross. And and you see, what I see in that picture initially is the contrast of the innocent with the guilty, the level of suffering between the two thieves and Christ. He was beaten. He was nailed to the cross. And then the attitudes, when you look at the three persons, arrogance, submission, and then humility. So I'd like to look at the passage in Luke 23. Um, Verses 39 through 43. This is a picture on the cross. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him and said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And I think the original language may have said, Fool, do you not even fear God? Because that was a foolish statement. And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you, will, you shall be with me in paradise. Now, there's a sermon in there somewhere. But just three points that I'd like to bring that really caught my attention, catches my attention in this was, number one, the simplicity of our salvation. Um, when you look at the, the thief, there was no ability to do any work. He had no right to be considered other than God's mercy and a heart that was changed. Uh, he acknowledged his guilt and deserved death. And he acknowledged Jesus for who he was, God, in their presence. Secondly, God knows your heart. The thief's request, remember me, was his desperate plea for God's mercy on his soul that only Jesus could grant. And thirdly, it's never too late for someone to surrender their life or their soul, in this particular case, to God through faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Pastor preached on this verse not too long ago, the last verse of 2 Corinthians 5. 
says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The first he, of course, is God the Father, uh, made him, that is Jesus Christ, God the Son. Um, and I'd like, like you to consider two impossibilities. Um, the first is, is implied here in this first phrase, he made him who knew no sin. Jesus Christ knew no sin. God cannot sin. There, so, so for Jesus to sin is an impossibility, um, just categorically speaking. And secondly, for you or for me to be righteous is an impossibility, categorically speaking. Um, those, those, neither of those things. Jesus cannot sin and I cannot please God. So, again, reading this glorious truth, God made Jesus Christ, him who knew no sin, to be sin. He became sin. We sang his ropes for mine just several minutes ago, which has phrase after phrase after phrase of just this idea, you know, taking off, you know, my robe, so to speak, you know, and, and exchanging. Um, Jesus Christ knew no sin. He became sin on your behalf, on my behalf, in order that we might become the righteousness of God in the last two words, in him. Uh, I'm currently going through the book of Ephesians with a couple of men on Wednesday nights, and just in the first chapter alone, in the first paragraph alone, I think it's something like 11 times it says, in him, in the beloved, in Jesus Christ. It's, here's the point, I don't mean to be irreverent, when I, but, but if you take Christ out, it's game over. It's done, it's done. It, 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 Jesus, it's all about your position and mine, in him. It has to be in him. Uh, apart from that, there is no hope for us. So one more time, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf in order that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, gentlemen. Let's pray together and thank the Lord for his willingness to perish in such a violent way on our behalf, and then we will distribute the symbol of our Lord's violent death as another song is sung for us. Father in heaven, we worship you for your faithfulness to your eternal decree to buy us back to yourself in Christ. You did decree to create. You decreed to permit the fall. But you did decree. You did set forth in eternity past a way for lost sinners to be reconciled to yourself. And you were faithful to that decree that was announced before the foundation of the world was set. Great is your faithfulness to us. And faithful are you who has called us, who will also bring this to pass. And you've done so in sufficient, in sufficiency through the agonizing death of our Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Elders.
Corinthians 11 is preserved for us. Verse 25, it says, In the same way he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our former pastor always used to stop at that point. Some of you may remember and focus on that word proclaim. And you would say that the language of the word proclaim here, when you take this cup up and you lift it, you're saying to all around you that the death of Jesus Christ is enough for you. Right? We do this in the form of toasts at weddings and at special occasions. But this is, this is divine remembrance of sufficiency and gladness. You may partake. Father in heaven, we're glad to lift the cup and to individually Proclaim in public fashion that we recognize personally and collectively that Jesus became sin for me, for us, who knew no sin in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him without His atonement, without the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins. So we proclaim together tonight that Jesus and his atonement is enough for now and forevermore. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
stand and sing the doxology together, and then we'll have a vocal quartet. Come sing. passage of scripture uh, just together make a comment and we'll be dismissed with a congregational hymn 
First Peter chapter 1. I've asked the elders to share a favorite text of theirs in relationship to the Lord's Supper, and I'll do the same here as we close um, this evening. First Peter chapter 1, passage to probably familiar to all of you that have been in the Lord for any certain amount of time. One of my favorite authors wrote, your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. People that suffer deeply know the truth of that. More than those who don't suffer much. Peter wrote to a, a suffering people who absolutely knew their need for the sufficient grace of Christ, not only in salvation, but in their daily living. So it's no wonder that early in this epistle to these suffering people throughout Asia and Asia Minor, he wrote like he did in verse 17 to remind them of the sufficiency of grace in Christ's violent death for them. In verse 17, excuse me, or 18, he wrote, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your fathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown for the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And because of Christ, your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. Let's sing together. This has been a glorious time of worship with you this evening. It's a, it's a high privilege. We will conclude with uh, one more hymn. I'll just give a moment for the screen to come down, but this is Beneath the Cross. And again, it's just been a sweet time to meditate on Christ's cross work. So stand slowly. And then we'll sing beneath the cross.
nonsense. 